All right. So we're going to be in the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this book to the church at Philippi. And if you remember, maybe you do or maybe you don't, on one of Paul's missionary journeys to Philippi, he, he and his friend Barnabas stopped a lady, took care uh, who was basically filled with a demon, and they cast the demon out of her. Well, they were using this lady to tell fortunes to people, right? So she was like a fortune teller, and people owned her and used her basically like property, which was not uncommon. So when they did that, when, when they cast the demon out of her, she was no more useful uh, in, she couldn't do what she was doing before because they got that information from the demon. Um, and so she, she, they were mad at Paul and Silas. So they threw him into jail. And the jail was the jail of Philippi. Now, the important part, and we'll get back to this probably at some point during this day, uh, during this lesson, but the jailer lived in the jail with the jail people. And that was not uncommon all the way up until probably the 1700s. You actually, you were a jailer as like a trade and your house, even if you had a family, was connected to the jail cells. And you would walk down a hallway, um, and down that hallway would be jail cells, the, the less uh, usually kind of open jail cells, ones who are not causing trouble. And then you had some that may be outside. You have to go outside to actually access the, through a gate or something. So the Philippian jailer lived there. And Philippian jailer, in the middle of the night, Paul and Silas were singing songs, and the angel opened up that jail. All of the doors just went boop, open in the middle of the night. And the Philippian jailer came down in the middle of the night with a torch, basically looking around, and he thought everybody had escaped, so he was going to kill himself with a sword. Because in that area, uh, if you lost your prisoners, you were going to be executed. That's how they made sure people did a good job keeping their prisoners. <laughs> you have a good, uh, you have a good motive to keep going because we'll kill you if you lose a prisoner. So okay, I won't. So he thought he was. He was ready to run himself through with a sword and kill himself. Uh, but Paul and Silas called out and said, "We're all here. We're all here." And uh, the Philippian jailer converted, learned about God, and converted that day took Paul and Silas back up into their his own house, washed their wounds, and he had whipped them the day before. So he was washing their wounds this day. So we're going to talk about, going to do a few things, some highlights out of the book of Philippians. Um, <clears throat> but I want to look at an interesting thing. We went on our, one of our trips recently, we went to the Ark. Um, and it's uh, the Ark Encounter, which is basically a remake of the Ark that Noah built. It is a monstrous structure. It's huge. When you stand next to it, you are so tiny, so small. 
I mean, you could fit many of our churches inside of this ark. It's huge. And they built it to the very same dimensions that it says in the Bible. Now, here's the thing to think about. I've done some big projects, but I've never done anything that big. And Noah, just thinking about what Noah did, Noah built an ark, and it took him and his three sons and all of their wives, that is, all together, eight people, about 100 years to build this ark. All right? So it was a long time coming. Noah ended up living more than 100 years, obviously, right? But in the prime of his son's lives, and I guess his life as well, they built this ark. Now think about it. You're doing something for 100 years. You start building it, and a neighbor comes along and says, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building a boat. The middle of land. You don't need a boat here. How are you going to get it over there? Well, God told me it's going to rain. Rain? What's rain? Well, you know how we wake up every morning in the morning and the ground is wet. The dew settles down in the ground. Yeah, well, it's going to be like a whole lot of dew. But it's going to be so much so that I need a boat. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. So, you know, he's building for a year, and I'm sure he gets mocked. Year two, he gets mocked. Year three and four and five and six. And year 20, year 30. Still building your ark, huh? Yeah, still building my ark. Mm -hmm. Seems like a pretty smart thing. When's that rain coming? Not a drop. Been 30 years, not a drop. Been 50 years, not a drop. Generations passed, not a drop of rain. And Noah, for those generations, did what was very unpopular, and even more than unpopular, seemed just downright crazy. Why would you do that? But he stood for what God told him to do. He believed it, and he did it. And I'm sure he needed to be encouraged by God once in a while, but once he got that message, you go build this huge ark, and I'm going to bring the animals, and I'm going to bring some rain. Oh, okay, well, that seems crazy. But Noah did it. There's something, and we're not called necessarily, you and I, to build an ark. Okay, God's got different plans at this point. And I don't know every one of his plans. He may call you to build an ark. I don't really know. Uh, but what he has called us to do is to stand out like Noah. He's called us to do different things than everybody all around. So when we look at people around us and see how they act, God says, I want you to act differently. And in this series, we're going to look a little bit at one, a couple of different ways that you act differently. So we're going to go to Philippians chapter number 2. Some way that God has called us to stand alone. To stand out when others 
even mock you or say you're a fool, right? You, this is your, foolish, right? You're foolish for doing this. But God's going to call us to do something in Philippians chapter 2. Paul's going to tell us what he wants us to do. And it is totally opposite of what most people act like in society. So, let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse number 2. Read that, please. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. All right, so Paul is telling the church at Philippi how to act. How to act. Now, you guys live uh, in and go to this church, which is a great thing, because you see some of what Paul is talking about. Now, when, you, when Paul says, be of one accord, be of one accord, what else does he say in that verse? Verse number two. Be like-minded. Like-minded. And? The same love. And love. Be loving. Okay? The same love. All right? So he has called us as a body of believers, us as a group of people that are friends to God. He has called us and said, you need to be loving. You need to be kind. You need to be like-minded. If you are going to accomplish something in your life with a team, and regardless of what kind of team it is, if you're going to play, we'll say you pick a sport to play at, and you decide it that you want to play, what do you want to play? Soccer? Play soccer. All right? You're going to be a forward. Right in the front. Everybody is going to aim towards that goal. But you're going to go to the other goal. They all run that way. Your team runs that way. And you say, I don't want to go that way. I'd like to play for this goal. What's going to happen? Other teams that score points, right? So you are gonna, you're gonna make them lose, and are they gonna like you? No, they're not gonna like you, right? So you have to be like-minded, and you all have to agree we're aiming for that goal. Dylan can't say I like the other goal better. It's got a red stripe around it. I like that one. No, you can't do that. You got to say we're all going to that goal, and that's why we're here to make goals here. Not me, I'm just here to practice dribbling the soccer ball. No, we're here to make goals, and that's how we win. No, no, I think dribbling should be important. We're gonna kick, 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 kick. I'm just going circles around the field. No, they're gonna steal the ball from you and take it, and they're gonna go get another score, because you're not focused on what you wanna do, right? So churches and groups of people that know the Lord, it is really important to be of like mind, all right? Of one accord. That means in harmony with one another. You have to be thinking 
in a similar goal. Now that doesn't mean you ought to be the same people. And it doesn't mean you ought to have the same personalities. In fact, God says he created all kinds of unique people. But your goal has to be the same. So you guys tell me. Last week, we did, uh, we had open house, we call it at our church. What is the point of open house? To see, to get more people come. Okay. Why do we care if more people come? Are we looking for money? No, no. Well, what are we looking for? People to turn to God. Why? Because that's what God wants. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's what God wants. So the point, and this is, we're all on the same team. We do it a little differently, right? Uh, a thousand other churches can do a thousand other things, and this might not work in other people's communities. But for us in this community, this particular way we do something works to bring people in. What's important about bringing people in? I mean, so what? So they came to your event and got a free hot dog. Who cares? Okay. So sometimes it's just a barrier for them to actually come to the place. What else? What are they seeing? Okay, so maybe, maybe they all are like-minded and they have the same love. They're patient with people, right? If you are working in a hot dog stand and someone comes up and says, I didn't get a hot dog, you have an opportunity right there. You can say, I don't care. If you didn't get a hot dog, get in line. Or you can say, let me get you one. So what do you think is a better option? <laughs> I don't care, right? Go away, right? The idea is that when they come, it's not just that they showed up. It's that while they're here, we treat them like like we would want to be treated. Because that's what Christ said, is love your neighbor as yourself. Show the kindness, show the love, show the patience towards people. So to have unity and work together in something big doesn't happen in every church. In fact, many churches it does not happen in. To get together and do something large that's a lot of work you don't make any money at, you don't really get anything from it, except there's something deeper. And I will tell you, people are convinced, many people outside do not know what to think about that. There are people, and uh, the story's been told in church many times, there, there, there was one woman who told somebody that they are convinced that we are taking those pennies and looking for some special penny that's worth a hundred dollars or and that's why we want pennies. It's like, you have no idea how much money we spend. We spend thousands of dollars on this outreach. And it has nothing to do with money. It doesn't matter. The money doesn't matter at all. We do pennies, but if you come up and say, I don't have a penny, 
You say, we don't care. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, right? It is not about the pennies. It's not about the money. People are confused because that is not the way that other organizations work. You don't go get free stuff from other places, right? What do you got to bring if you want to have something from somewhere else? You better bring money. You don't go to the fair and get a whole bunch of free stuff, right? I mean, if you do, you get some free pencils or stickers or something from a vendor who wants you to come in and buy their stuff. Right? <laughs> Spend a whole lot more money. They give you a little free sticker, a little flyer or something, right? A pen or something, right? Because they want you to know who they are and come have business with them, right? But our point is not to get money from this, ever. I don't care if you don't ever come here, but I want you to know that God changes people in their lives when he, when you accept him into your life, he changes who you are. And I want you to have the opportunity to go to heaven. That's my goal. That's what I want you to see. So to be in like mind, one accord or in harmony, right? Harmony is like we're all aiming at the same target. Right? Right in the middle. We're all aiming at the same target. And if you're going to take down something big, everybody shoots their arrows at the same target, right? You could draw a cherry on it. You could draw a cherry on it. <laughs> <Right? laughs> yes. You could draw a cherry on it. Yes. And? And a card. Yeah. And a card. There. That's a person's face. You can't see it, but it's what? there. There's a card with a cherry on it. Oh! Alright. There's oh. <laughs> a person's face, because it's a card. <laughs> so. <laughs> right? So you you throw at the same target. You're all aiming at the same target. And so it gets you to a place where God wants you to go. That brings unity. And you can all think differently about how things are done and things like that. And that's fine. You can go to a hundred other churches, a thousand other churches out there. If you say, I don't like old-fashioned things and I just don't want to do that. Or I don't like that we sing old songs in this church. You can go to other ones. It's fine. But if you are aiming all at the same target, that is what is the point. Okay? That's the point, what we do. So even especially within our own church, we try to have unity and move together as a whole and care about things and do things as a whole. All right? So we don't have a lot of divisions and small groups of people. We have, we work together. All right? That's one of the other reasons of the drive-in. Connect you guys all together. Right? Bring you guys, put you with, and I had many comments about, we don't ever get to talk to those teenagers, but I like to talk to those teenagers. I never get to talk to them. They're kind of nice. Yes, they are. Imagine that. <laughs> right. All right. So this is what you have to do is think about one target. Now, let's go to verse number three.
right? Let's each esteem other better than themselves. So, what does that mean? to see a change in how we do things. This is what's different than the world. The world does not say work as a team, esteem others, or treat others better than you treat yourself. All the people in the world say you're awesome, you take care of yourself, you make sure you have everything you need, you fight for you, you stand up for your own self, you do everything for yourself, and you get the goal. And with a whole bunch of people like that, it's not a real team, right? It doesn't really work together. It doesn't even work in sport, much less in life. 
Everybody works to try to get their own glory. Nothing good happens. But that is exactly how the rest of the world looks at it and says, you got to fight for you. you got to take care of yourself because no one else is going to take care of you. God says, you live differently than that. That's what Paul says. God told you to live differently than that. You don't live like the rest of the world. You treat others better than you treat yourself. That's how I want you to live. Differently. So that's a change. And when you do that, people will go up to you and say, eh, wimp, you're weak. You don't fight for anything. You don't understand. You should go out and beat them. You should go out and do it. You could go get that glory, right? But God doesn't say to do that. And God says to Noah, build the ark. And everybody walks by and said, ha, you're such a dummy. There's no rain out there. You should be out there doing what we're doing. Fighting for ourselves, getting that, doing the things, not doing this stupid thing. You're never going to get anywhere doing that. You're going to have a great, big, wooden, rotten boat on the ground, and it's never going to save you. That's what they said to Noah. And what they say to you, when you begin to treat others better than yourself, they'll say, that'll never get you anywhere. And yet, the God who created the universe and put everything in motion and rolled the planets off of his fingertips says, that's the way I want you to treat people. I want you to treat others better than yourself. I want you, on open house day, to sweat and work and do hard and treat those people who may not even say nice things to you. I want them to I want you to treat them well. I want you to take care of them. Like I was taking care of them. Like I take care of you. So God puts that out in front of us. Now, here's the the last verse that we're going to talk about today. Once we're settled in our purpose and we know not to try to take the glory for ourselves, verse number four does the final nail in the coffin here. Verse four, chapter two of Philippians, please. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So, here it is. Don't put your needs first. Don't worry about your stuff worry about other people's stuff which is not at all what people will tell you in the world and they'll say that doesn't even work because who's going to take care of you if you don't take care of your own stuff and you don't fight for yourself nobody's going to fight for you but that's not true in God's kingdom because we've already set up and established a group of people who are like-minded, headed towards the same target, loving with all the same love, the love of Christ, who think the same way and say, you work to take care of me, I'm going to work to take care of you. And you re receive reward from God in eternity for treating others like you wanted to be treated. Not for fighting for your own self but for putting others first, for taking care of other people's needs, even when you don't take care of your own. 
that's different than you will hear anywhere else in the world. They're not going to tell you that. Take care of everybody else first. And if they do, that concept comes from God, not from living in the world. Right? People are selfish by nature. They think of themselves, they take care of themselves, they do things for themselves, and most of the time they're not going to think of you. But if God is in your life and in your heart, he teaches you how to think of other people first. Before I get what I need, I'm going to make sure this other person gets what they need. I'm going to put them first before me. It takes a little faith to do that. To say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my stuff out there. Whatever I have, I'd like you to use it. I want to give what I have and start to think differently. This is about changing your thoughts about how you approach your life. How many of you have ever written a list for Christmas? Here's the things I wanted. Okay? That we often do. And we often think, these are what I need. Right? What if your Christmas list was a bunch of things for other people? That would take different thinking, wouldn't it? Now, I'm not saying you got to go and write your, not write your Christmas list and not ever get anything ever again. But what I'm saying is this. Begin to think in this way. If I got something, is there a way I could share that, use that in a way for the Lord, some way? Right? God doesn't necessarily say you don't get anything. That's not at all what he does. In fact, he wants to bless you with all kinds of things. But the more you put other people first, the more he will bless you with things. We took an old chunk of land, and the first year we bought it, 25 acres, it was really swampy and full of brush. We cut a little pathway in, and you guys all been there and signed your name on the sign there, right, at Aslan's Acres. The very first thing we did is said, dedicated to God, said, you use it one way you want. And so you our generation, one of several generations of youth group that have gone through there because we first said, give it to God. Let him do with it what he wants. He has blessed the place. He has used the place. He has protected the place. He's watched over people there and used it because we said first, it's yours. You use it. And I get blessing through it too. We have fun through it. I get rest through it, but we've used it for all sorts of things now. Other people come and get blessed there. Right? Other people are ministered to through it. Because if you give it to God and you say, God, you use this, and you take other care of other people first with it, he will always make sure that you don't come up short. You'll have everything you need and more. But if you fight 
for I want this, I need this, I'm going to keep this, I can't do this, you'll watch things flip right through your fingers. That is the ironic thing of God. He wants you to know and trust that he will take care of you. But you put other people first. It takes a little bit to stand and be different. you got to stand up and be like Noah and say, well, it doesn't look like rain, and it's going to be rain for a hundred years, but I don't know when it's coming. But I'm going to stand up and do what God has told me anyways, because I believe what he said. This is the way it's going to work. All right? Next week, we will continue on, and we will see a little more of why it works and what we're trying to be like. All right, thanks.